Dear friends and colleagues, hello. We are happy to cover the ESC 2022. And in this episode of CardioCast, my colleagues, Dr. Esan Khalilpur, Dr. Amir Dusti, Dr. Arvin Elayfar, and Dr. Muhammad Farhani participate. And I'm very pleased to share the information with you. Because of the volume of content for this Congress, we decided to split the information for one episode for the studies and another for the guidelines. In this episode, we are covering the studies. The first category of studies are related to COVID-19, colchicine and rivaroxaban plus aspirin in patients hospitalized with COVID-19, a factorial randomized open trial. Colchicine for 28 days versus control and combination of Riva 2.5 mg BID and aspirin 28 days versus control. In very high risk patients, those that were needed for high flow oxygen, ventilation, or death. No benefit from colchicine for the mortality and despite the red use thrombosis in the intensified anticoagulation group but there wasn't any mortality benefit. The chance of thrombotic event was less than something that they anticipate before the study. The second study is use of the colchicine aspirin in community patients with COVID-19, the low-risk patient. But the primary endpoint was the hospitalization or death in the patient that first of uh, presentation was not admitted to hospital. The colchicine aspirin provide no benefit in outpatient patients with COVID-19. And that seems for better control of COVID, we need medications very cheap and available. But right now, because we don't have any such medications, more insist on vaccination looks reasonable. The third study is COVID-PACT. And in the COVID-PACT, they studied the full dose of anticoagulation compared to prophylaxic dose of anticoagulation. And adding antiplatelet clopidogrel or not no antiplatelet add-on for prevention of venous and arterial thrombotic event in critically ill COVID-19 patients. The conclusion was reduced thrombotic complications but increased risk of bleeding and the addition of clopidogrel did not reduce thrombotic complication or not increase bleeding in this population. Current guidelines suggest that using the prophylactic dose is better than the full dose anticoagulation in critically ill patients. Despite this study that showed no benefit for full dose anticoagulation, that looks for the very high risk patient, critically ill patient with COVID-19, we need to tailor this treatment according to each case. The next group of studies that I like to categorize as the AI or artificial intelligence are three major studies. The first one is smartphone-based screening for atrial fibrillation or eBRAVE AF, a pragmatic sightless digital randomized control trial. We know that photopolitismographic sensors and smart devices can detect irregularities of pulse wave indicative of atrial fibrillation. And according to Apple, Huawei and Fitbit heartbeat study, they showed that the smart devices can identify individuals with AF. We know that doing some study with the prospective and also double randomized control trial with the AF technology is really hard. In the Munich, Germany, 
from 4th of February 2020 to 31st of the July 2020, they enrolled the patients and using the Heartbeat app that they could use on Android or iOS phone, checking by the putting the index finger on the camera of the smartphones and doing that twice daily for the 14 days and then bi-weekly and external 14 days ECG loop recorder for evaluation of abnormal ECG. They showed that a scalable digital scoring strategy using ordinary smartphones provide a substantial benefit to usual care in detecting and treatment relevant AF. Findings of this study most likely generalizable to other smart devices based PPG technology. And further study are needed to test whether improved AF diagnostics through digital technology translate into better outcomes clinically. The second study is the AI enhanced detection of aortic stenosis that we know that aortic stenosis is under treated, under diagnosed, and we, according to this study, using the AI DSA prediction for the mortality in severe AS in large real world cohort undergoing that echocardiogram or echocardiography identified those patients with significant mortality risk better than all other clinical comparator. The third study is the Econet RCT. This is a very nice randomized control trial, blinded, and uh, using the sonographer versus artificial intelligence assessment for LVEF. And according to this study, despite to be a single center and not blind, but conclusion was as the adult patient undergoing echocardiography quantification of cardiac function, initial assessment of LVF by AI was non-inferior and even superior to initial sonographer assessment. After blinded review of initial LVF assessment, cardiologists were less likely to substantially change their final report with initial AI assessment than sonographer assessment. AI-guided assessment took less time for cardiologists to overread and was more consistent with historical cardiologist assessment. This three study for the artificial intelligence. Going to next topic for the heart failure, ADVOR, astrozolamide in decompensated heart failure with volume overload. We know that the avid reabsorption of the sodium and water in the proximal tubules, but the loop diuretics are working majorly on the distal part of the loop of Henley. Astrozolamide can improve the loop diuretics efficiency. Primary endpoint in this study was reaching to congestion score less or equal to one within three days after randomization without an indication for escalation of decongestive therapy. This study was a positive study for reaching to the primary endpoint, but when reaching to the reduction of all-cause heart failure or heart failure hospitalization, the trial was underpowered and rates were considerably lower for the group that treated with the astrozolomite. So astrozolomite uh, looks to be a very cheap, off-patent, and easy-to-use, safe, and very efficient drug to improve decongestion. Three major studies, one deliver that dapagliflozin in heart failure with malurea to preserve EF. The second, 
full analysis of DAPA heart failure and deliver pulling these two studies and the, another one, the meta-analysis for the DAPA heart failure, deliver MPR preserved, MPR reduced, and soloist WHF showed that using of SGLT2 inhibitors in all patients with heart failure, irrespective of patient's phenotype or care settings, is uh, associated with lower mortality and all major endpoints. The, these uh, studies are very, very remarkable and in this largest and most inclusive trial of patients with heart failure, with mild radius or even preserved ejection fraction, more than 60-65 treatment with DAPA reduce the risk of the primary composite outcome of cardiovascular or worsening heart failure. We don't know what's the definite mechanisms, maybe the diuretic effect, and you know that all these treatments are add-on on loop diuretics and MRA, and maybe additive diuretic effect or sequential nephron blockade that results uh, could be translated in these significant major endpoints. Another study for the heart failure is the sacrovitreal valsartan versus ramipril for patient in the acute myocardial infarction or Paradise MI trial, a win ratio analysis, a new technique in analysis to finding which endpoint is the most important and analyzing that first compared to all endpoints. Using this method, the total of evidence against the oh, more serious event, that higher priority for that, using of the sacrovitreal valsartan was a positive study. But we know that this is a post hoc analysis and we cannot extrapolate these findings and we know that there are some debate for using these drugs. The next topic is the CAD. The first study in this category is the all-heart study using the alloprenol xanthine oxidase inhibitor for lowering the risk of the cardiovascular disease. The patient that are not hyperuricemic. Conclusion was no improvement in cardiovascular outcome in this patient. This is a negative antioxidant trial, maybe to that the xanthine oxidase antioxidative efficiency is low. Maybe the patients on many type of drug with the antioxidant properties, maybe the elderly patient included in this study, but it's also a negative one. The second study is FFR guided versus angiography guided PCI in acute MI with multiple cell disease frame acute MI trial. Conclusion was among patients with acute MI multiple cell, a strategy of selective PCI using FFR guided was superior to a strategy of routine PCI on angiographic diameter stenosis for treatment of non-infarcturated lesions. Means less stent and cost, but it's not the guideline changing study and we need more study to verify what would be the best policy in multivessel disease after myocardial infarction. Furinone, a very, very nice selective non-steroidal MRA, has demonstrated cardiovascular and kidney benefits in patients with CKD and type 2 diabetes. Fidelo DKD and Figaro DKD studies both showed these results. But in the fidelity, when they are gathering in these two groups of study, Furinone as a distinct non-steroidal MRA that selectively 
blocks uh, mineral corticoid receptor overactivation, showed significant improvement in cardiovascular outcomes and a slowing of CKD progression in patients with CKD and type 2 diabetes. And that was on top of optimized ROS inhibitor. That is, means a very, very significant improvement using this drug. The next study is Ischemia CKD Extend. Ischemia CKD Recap was the study comparing invasive versus non-invasive strategy for the CKD patients that have CAD and that was for 2.2 years. This study excluded the acute coronary syndrome and also very symptomatic or low EF patients. In the ischemia CKD extent covering more than five years of the patients and that showed that no benefit from invasive strategy. Something that caveat there was the low percentage of revascularization in the invasive arm, something around 50% and that because was the non-obstructive coronary artery in these patients. Results are very robust and also should influence clinical practice. And as I told, acute coronary syndrome, highly symptomatic patient and EF less than 35% excluded in this study. This CKD patient likely benefits from an invasive strategy with anatomically appropriate revascularization. But in another group of the patient with chronic disease, that looks we need a very specific treatment for this high-risk group of patients and earlier management. Another study in this CAD title is the percutaneous revascularization for ischemic left ventricular dysfunction. Revived, according to STIC, we know that multivessel disease, LV dysfunction, using the cabbage, you know, reach to better result and improve survival. The hypothesis was the revascularization with PCI improved event-free survival in this group of patients. And primary outcome was all-cause death or hospitalization for heart failure. Conclusion was that in this high-risk group of ischemic cardiomyopathy patients, even using of all device, all medical treatment, and adding percutaneous coronary intervention did not reduce the composite incidence of all-cause death or hospitalization for heart failure at a median of 3.4 years. Percutaneous coronary intervention did not incrementally improve LVF in this high-risk group of patients. The next study, a meta-analysis from seven RCTs comparing radial versus femoral axis for coronary procedures evidence synthesis of clinically important questions. We know that TRA reduced bleeding and vascular complication compared with transfemoral or TFRA access in patients undergoing PCI. The reduction in mortality from TRA has been shown in some studies but not all trials. In this study using the individual patient data pooled analysis and covering seven RCTs, more than 21,000 patients in two groups, the take-home message is that very significant less mortality and major bleeding for the 30 days in TRA group. The server benefit was largely confined to patients with STMI and those with basal anemia, and also in those centers that the operators are doing very high volume of radio. So the femoralist group could be satisfied with this result 
that in those patients without STMI or significant anemia at the baseline, and especially when using the bivaloridin, the risk of the bleeding and also the mortality looks to be very similar in two groups of the transfemoral and transradial. And also there is some other mechanism except that bleeding that can reduce the mortality in the TRA group that is not recognized yet and need more studies for that. The, another topic is thrombosis and antiplatelet therapy. Master depth result for the ultimaster stent in high bleeding risk group of patients for the short or abbreviated dual antiplatelet therapy in the patient with oral anticoagulation or without that. DAPT for one month and continue with SAPT for 11 months and also going for the six months DAPT, SAPT after one month of triple therapy and following after the six month hybrid just with the oral anticoagulation showed non-inferiority. There were a lot of issue about this study, but you consider that this is a selective group of patients with high bleeding risk and also a specific type of stent. Another significant study in this antiplatelet topic is PANTER, P2Y12 inhibitor versus aspirin monotherapy in patients with coronary artery disease. We know that according to ESC guideline 2019, aspirin monotherapy is first line for secondary prevention in CCS patients without an indication for oral anticoagulation or DAPT. This is class 1A. Monotherapy with P2Y12 inhibitor is 2B. But according to this study, in covering more than seven trials, more than 35,000 patients participating from 492 sites across the world, and they showed that the two, group, two groups of monotherapy with aspirin compared with P2Y12, that the 60% on colopidogrel and 40% ticagrelor compared with the aspirin monotherapy shot that P2Y12 inhibitor monotherapy was associated with lower risk of cardiovascular death, myocardial infarction, or a stroke compared with aspirin monotherapy in patients with coronary artery disease, mainly due to a low risk of MI and resulting in lower risk of NACE. The incidence of major bleeding was similar, but GI bleed was less, and also the hemorrhagic stroke was less in the group with P2Y12 inhibitor monotherapy. The next study is uh, considering to factor 11 activation. And we know that the factor 11, according to genetically determined factor 11 deficiency, with low risk of a stroke and VTA, and no risk, no increased risk in ICH or spontaneous bleeding. According to this observation, we learned that factor 11 activated play a less important role in hemostasis compared than thrombosis. So activated factor 11 that could activate factor 12 and, pro and thrombin amplification could be a very good target with reaching to a better anticoagulation with less bleeding. And milvexian is a small molecule inhibitors factor 11 activation, rapid absorption. This is a study for reaching to the optimal dose. And they showed that fewer symptomatic stroke, ischemic stroke in the group treated with those other than 200 milligram BID, but the risk of the bleeding was not 
higher. Another study for the efficacy and safety of oral factor 11 activated inhibitor asandexin and on top of the dual antiplatelet in the Pacific MI patients showed that no advantage with adding this drug but uh, the chance of the bleeding was not high. This study is named Pacific MI. Another study with the Pacific stroke study that showed the anticoagulation with inhibition of factor 11 activation by the oral therapy with this asandexian showed that the, without reducing the composite of covered brain infarction or ischemic stroke and no dose response, we reached to lower recurrent symptomatic ischemic stroke and TIA in this group of patients. We will devote one episode for factor 11 very, very soon because we think this is a very hot topic and we have to know more about that. Another study in the anticoagulation and the prevention treatment is with the rivaroxaban for rheumatic heart disease patient with atrial fibrillation. The name of this study is Invictus. The background is the large number of patients undertreated with VGA and the risk of the bleeding and control of INR is very hard. That was the unrecognized and unresolved issue there. The primary outcome was composite of stroke and systemic embolism. Very surprisingly showed that using VKA prevented more death and ischemic stroke compared with the rivaroxaban. Difference in mortality driven entirely by heart failure and sudden cardiac death. And the bleeding also surprisingly was not different in two groups. This study is very, very important and showing that mortality and outcome is better with the VKA and we are just keeping the previous standard treatment with VKA for the rheumatic heart disease patient with mitral stenosis. Next topic are the hypertension and primary prevention. Danish cardiovascular screening trial, Don Kavos. One third of patients between the 65 to 74 years old invited for a screening for the ECG-gated non-contrast CT for detection of coronary artery calcium, atrial fibrillation, aortic and iliac aneurysm, and four-limb blood pressure measurement for detection of PAD and hypertension. This study showed no benefit for imaging screening in this group of patients, but the subgroup analysis for the 65 to 69 years old showed better benefit. And also another limitation in this study was the not uh, coming for the screening more than 63 persons. Next study is time study. Time study is the comparing morning versus evening prescription of antihypertensive medications. That was also another Negative studies show no difference between the time when you are prescribing antihypertensive treatment. Assessing the effect of ARB plus beta blockers in Marfan syndrome showed add-on this treatment may delay the time for the operation and there wasn't any interaction, both with two different mechanisms may be useful. And the secure study, secondary prevention cardiovascular disease in elderly, using the polypill containing aspirin, atherostatin, 20 or 40, or ramipril, 2.55 or 10 milligrams, primary composite endpoint of cardiovascular death, MI, stroke, or urgent revascularization, 
all showed benefit for this combination therapy. That means increasing the effectiveness of adherence. Interventions may have a far greater impact on health of population than any improvement in a specific medical treatment. Meta-analysis for checking the effect of statin on muscle symptoms showed that muscle symptoms uh, when compared with the placebo controls less than 1% excess risk in those allocated to statin and also more than 90% of muscle symptoms not related to statin. A small excess risk is in the first year but not after that and excess is generally mild symptoms. Two main areas need to be reviewed and improved. The first one is the a strategy to manage the muscle pain in the patients taking the statin and act. The next one is the information provided in the package in the drug that need to be changed. Long-term evolucumab in patients with the established atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, primary result of Fourier OLE open-label extension. We know that according to Fourier trial in more than 27,000 patients with a stable ASCVD that randomized to PCSK9 inhibitor evolucumab versus placebo reduced risk of MACE, but there was no observed effect on cardiovascular mortality. The median follow-up was 2.2 years, but after seven years follow-up in this group of patients, continued accrual cardiovascular benefit increased including cardiovascular mortality over the next several years shocked. These findings argue for early initiation of a marked and sustained LDL reduction to maximize clinical benefit and there was no adverse event like muscle-related events, new diabetes, cataract, hemorrhagic stroke, or neurocognitive events that they blame sometimes during the anecdotal report. The last study that covering here is the box trial optimizing blood pressure in post-resuscitation, comparing lower mean arterial pressure means 65 to higher mean arterial pressure means 85 millimeter mercury. And this patient that designed the study with two by two factorial design for blood pressure and oxygenation, and that showed the targeting and mean arterial pressure higher compared with the 63 millimeter in the comatose patient resuscitated from out-of-hospital cardiac arrest did not result in different rate of death or severe disability or coma. This is our coverage of the ESC studies. I hope you enjoy these studies. And in next episodes, we are covering the ESC new guidelines. Thank you very much for your listening.